Well, welcome back to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron. And as always, joining no, me is the amazing, Sorry. incredible, ostentatious. Can you just introduce me as Ariel? <laughs> Fine. It's just Ariel. Thank you. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh, so today's episode, we're going to be going over the items and I guess you could call them power ups when it comes to the spells. I don't really know what those I classify as items. So we're going to go over all that stuff today. And uh, this is going to be the final episode for the Ocarina of Time arc. For now. For now. Yeah. We're going to revisit it. Don't worry. So your Easter eggs, your speed run stuff, all that stuff's coming. Oh, no. Easter eggs is coming this episode. <laughs> I have some interesting facts to drop on you, too. Oh, boy. So, um... Ariel's going to kick us off first this time, but before she starts, I'm going to give you your first interesting fact. You ready for this? No. No? Well, too bad it's coming. <laughs> so, first interesting fact is that when the Ocarina of Time was first released, there was a commercial featuring Link as an adult where he was in Kakariko Village, and he finds a chest full of soda drinks. And the sodas are called Mirinda. And it was a commercial aired in India during the 90s. Hmm. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, this is I, that's like one of the few times I've ever seen Link used to sell a product. <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to say it was a chest full of Nuka-Cola. Oh, now that would have been a great tie in. <laughs> they have nothing to do with each other, but whatever. Oh, gosh. So. With that interesting fact out of the way, Ariel, what's up for you? Oh, not much. I'm, I'm Are you all right. Good? Are you up? okay? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. What about those items? Oh. <laughs> Thought you cared about me. I do. I do. All right. So my first item on my list. You ready for this? Oh, did you make names for these things of too? Of course I did. My interpretation <sighs> quarter. It extends is, to items now. Yeah. It extends to everything <laughs> I say. So not your ordinary tree branch. I'm going to go ahead and say that's the Deku. Continue. Um, mm, uh, I want to say twig, but that's not right. Stick. Stick. Yes. Deku stick. Oh, so, my gosh. Acquired by cutting the stalks off Deku Babas and buying them at some shops for 10 rupees or buying them from business scrubs for 15. Because, whoo. The prices are gouging. Yes. You can light Deku sticks from lit torches. You can also use them as weapons. However, they will break after one hit. They do deal twice as much damage as the Kokiri sword, though. So. Oh, my gosh. I never knew that. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. My entire playthrough now, I'm just going to use Deku sticks. Well, I mean, just remember, <laughs> one hit broke. So you can increase the max number you can hold in your inventory to 30. The first upgrade can be bought from a business scrub in the Lost Woods for 40 rupees, and the second can be obtained in the forest stage by wearing the skull mask. I did do that one. Ah, so increase that number. That's so, 30 swords. Yeah, yeah. Oh one hit gosh. wonders, but yeah. <laughs> so, a couple of interesting facts. Uh, Deku sticks sold in the Kokiri shop are long branches gathered from the great Deku tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, if a butterfly lands on the tip, it will transform into a fairy. I tried this forever and gave up. I could not get a butterfly to land on my stick. 
It's because you weren't special enough. Hmm. <laughs> so Deku sticks, along with the giant's knife, are the first items in the series that will break or wear down after regular use. Mm-hmm. And the German meaning is Deku Rod, but the German name is awesome, called the Deku Stab. The Deku Stab. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love when you find the like German or Japanese, like uh, other languages names for these items because they always end up being so awesome. I know. <laughs> so my next item, ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Ganon's Kryptonite. Oh, gosh. What could this possibly be? Uh, I don't know. Deku nuts. I get it now. Uh, I get it now. I'll explain it in a second. So they are the dried buds of Deku Babas. You can beat Deku Babas to get the item or found on certain enemies in trees and in jars. You can buy them in shops also for 15 rupees for five units. Business scrubs will sell them for higher prices. 20 rupees for five. <sighs> Yep. (laughs) You can use Deku Nuts to temporarily stun enemies. When it collides with the ground, there's a large flash that freezes enemies caught in the flash. And even Ganon can be injured by Deku Nuts. Ah, there it is. You can upgrade the max number, same as the Deku Sticks. First upgrade is as a child by entering the forest stage wearing the Mask of Truth. The Deku Scrubs will refill the supply as well. In the 64 version, due to a glitch, if the upgrade is not acquired before Link obtains the poacher's saw from the trading quest, it becomes impossible to receive the upgrade. This was fixed in Ocarina of Time 3D. The second you can purchase from a business scrub for 40 rupees in the Lost Woods, and the bomb bag is required. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't know the bomb bag was required. Yep. Hmm. So a little fun fact. The way the Sheikahs use the Deku Nuts is an adaptation of the Metsubushi techniques used by real life ninjas. I did know that. And when Impa and Sheik use a Deku Nut... After speaking to Link, a very small period of time passes before the impact's light vanishes and the Sheikah disappears, implying that they go away instantly. It's possible that Link stays stunned for longer and only recovers consciousness after the item's effect fades away. Huh, never thought about that way. Yeah. In the Desert Colossus, Deku Nuts will occasionally drop from coconut trees if you roll into them. I did know this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so here is about Ganon. Well, before you get into Ganon, I have another interesting fact for you. Okay. You ready for this? So, after the staff credits in game's ending, when Link returns to the Master Sword, there's a temple of time, Navi flies away. While she's flying away, you can hear bells from a clock tower chiming. Okay. And this is a subtle hint believed to be a subtle hint to Majora's Mask, the next game in the series. That's cool. I just figured you were talking about Ganon in the final game, so this is a perfect place to interrupt you for an interesting fact at it. With the exception of the final blow with the Master Sword, Ganon can be killed using only Deku Nuts on his tail. 
While more are required than Link can carry at once, several of the pieces of rubble on the battlefield contain Deku nuts. Once Ganon smashes them open. So you can, except for the final blow with the Master Sword, you can beat Ganon with Deku nuts. That's why I said it's his kryptonite. I thought this was the most annoying part of the game in my first playthrough because I was like, what do I need all these Deku nuts for? <laughs> Stop giving me these. <laughs> yeah, to beat Ganon. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until the second playthrough that I learned that you could do that. But you Isn't know. that funny, though? <laughs> you have all these cool weapons, this master sword. Mm-hmm. Now you just need a Deku nut. The one thing. That we've had since the beginning of the game. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. We don't need no sort of time. We just need Deku nuts. So uh, this next item I have is going to be a lengthy one, but you're going to understand why. Too pretty to be called a flute. Is it the Ocarina of Time? It is. Ooh. The Ocarina of Time. It's a transverse ocarina and an instrument Link uses to play music. The sacred instrument has been secretly passed down for generations within the royal family. It's kept safe from those who would exploit its power to cause harm to others. It will only be given to the one who will open the door of time to get the Master Sword. Huh. So, how to play it. It can be equipped to any of the three available C buttons. By pressing the C button that it's set to, the A and all four C buttons can be used to produce a different note. The control sticks, as well as the Z and R buttons, can be used to change the pitch of the notes. I did know that, only because I was button mashing one day and realized that the sound that it made did not... Nope. (laughs) (laughs) With the exception of tilting the control stick left or right, which causes you to... Use vibrato, vibrato on the ocarina, which has no specific usage in game. And in Ocarina of Time 3D and Majora's Mask 3D, the ocarina is played with the 3DS's L, R, A, X, and Y buttons, and is permanently assigned to a button on the bottom left screen. Visuals of the 3DS's buttons also appear on the touchscreen and light up as said buttons are pressed. So, changing pitches real quick. The R button for the 64 and the D-pad up for the 3DS makes notes sharp. The Z button for the 64 and the D-pad down for the 3DS makes notes flat. So, tilting the control stick for the 64 or the circle pad up for the 3DS makes corresponding note one full step higher. And tilting the control stick and the circle pad down makes corresponding note one full step lower. So sideways movement of the control stick for the 64 or the circle pad for the 3DS adds vibrato to notes. So that's changing your pitches there. Mm -hmm. The ocarina is capable of playing all chromatic notes between the low B and high F. Even notes like C-sharp and E-flat can be played with the correct combination of button presses. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to try to find it, but somebody did the um, Rick. uh, What was that song? Never going to give you up. 
on the uh, 3DS. I'm going to try to find it and send it to you. <laughs> so the songs you can play with the ocarina. We have Zelda's Lullaby, Epona's Song, Soraya's Song, Song of Storms, Sun's Song, Song of Time, Minuet of Forest, Bolero of Fire, Serenade of Water, Requiem of Spirit, Nocturne of Shadow, Prelude of Light, and the Scarecrow Song. The best song. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've got two little fun facts, and then I'm done with the Ocarina of Time. Oh, Told boy. you it was a little lengthy one. Ooh, that's okay. So it's implied in Hyrule Historia that the Ocarina of Time may be made of the same time-bending material as time shift stones. Mm-hmm. And dur- during development of Ocarina of Time, the spiritual stones would be inserted inside the Ocarina of Time in order to enter the Temple of Time. So, wait, wait, wait. The stones themselves would be entered into the Ocarina? Mm-hmm. So the Ocarina was not only the key to... No, no, sorry. That's my fault. I was thinking differently. The Temple of Time is within the cathedral not the other way around so okay I'm sorry but that's still a cool fact I did not know they got inserted into the ocarina yeah that was during the development of it so mm. yes I'm kind of glad they didn't do that <laughs> so the next item I have I was expecting a prettier color I don't know fairy ocarina oh gosh I was expecting a prettier yeah, color. Yeah, it was a very olive drab. It's given to Link by Saria when he leaves Kokiri Forest. You use it to solve various puzzles and get past obstacles. It's only used for the duration of the initial child stage of the game. It's replaced by the Ocarina of Time when Zelda flees Hyrule Castle with Impa. Its musical range is the same as the Ocarina of Time. I couldn't help but laugh that this ocarina only lasted for about five minutes for me. <laughs> yeah, so some interesting facts. Um, in the Ocarina of Time manga, Link uses the fair Link loses the fairy ocarina after the attack on Hyrule Castle, and Ganondorf takes it, thinking it's the Ocarina of Time, and crushes it when he realizes his mistake. I know, I was super sad about this. <laughs> in Hyrule Warriors and Hyrule Warriors Legends, the fairy ocarina appears as the level one tier of the ocarina and it's Skull Kid's signature weapon. Skull Kid's so awesome. <laughs> in pre-release screenshots of Ocarina of Time, Link can be seen with the fairy ocarina equipped as an adult. It can also be seen in early screenshots of Majora's Mask and still exists in the game's code. It can be placed into Link's inventory and when used, it acts like when using the pictograph box. Huh. Weird. Yeah. So the fairy ocarina can now also take pictures. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I've got the fancy magnifying glass. Oh, I know this one. Hmm. That is the um, uh, Lens of Truth. Yep. Yes. Yep, Lens of Truth. It's also referred to as the Eye of Truth. It allows you to see things that are not normally visible to the naked eye. 
It shows fake walls, fake floors, invisible objects, and enemies, and the contents of treasure chests in the treasure chest game. It does drain the magic meter when used, though. Despite its usefulness, you don't need it to complete the game. Any of the puzzles and traps based around it can be solved by luck or trial and error. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy who does it, though. Right. <laughs> So, some fun facts. If you play the Song of Storms and use the Lens of Truth, it won't drain the magic meter. What? Yeah. So, there's a little fun fact for you. Oh, I'm definitely doing that this playthrough. <laughs> In an early version of Ocarina of Time, the Spirit Medallion had the effect of the Lens of Truth. This is evidenced by data left in Ocarina of Time pointing the file name of the Spirit Medallion to the effect of the Lens of Truth. This provides further proof that the Spirit Temple was meant to be completed before the Shadow Temple, since the Lens of Truth is required to navigate the latter. I mean, it does make sense. There's a lot of things that show that the Spirit Temple was originally supposed to be completed before, but that's just one more that concretes it. Mm -hmm. So the last little fact I have is just a funny one. Mm -hmm. The French meaning is monocle of truth. <laughs> And I found it funny because it's not a monocle, but I liked it. I can't help but think of Link running around with a monocle That'd now. Be awesome. It would be great. <laughs> we, we're going to get steampunk Link here soon. I'm okay with that. That'd I be kind of cool. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Oh my gosh. So the next one I have. These are cool ones. Mm. The Power of Fury. Is it Din's fire? It is Din's oh, fire. Oh, yes. I'm on a hot streak. Let's go. <laughs> Obtained from the Great Fairy of Magic near Hyrule Castle, you can summon a dome of fire around you that expands outward, affecting anything in its range. When used in your torches, it will light them. It will drain six magic points with each use. This is the only spell necessary to complete the game. You need it to simultaneously light the torches at the entrance to the Shadow Temple to open it. Inside, you also need it to incinerate a spiked wooden wall trap that threatens to crush you. And fun little fact, though Din's fire doesn't appear in the Wind Waker, its name is inscribed on the base of Din's statue in Hylian on Northern Triangle Island. Whoa. I had no idea about that one either. Yeah, so... I love these little facts you bring. <laughs> That's what I got on Din's Fire. Next is Courage of Life. Well, before we get to that and my guess, I do want to make mention at some point, these three that you're talking about now are going to come back up again when we talk Breath of the Wild because they have a massive theory of my own that these have some sort of impact on the champion's powers. Yeah. But... You said what of life? Courage of life. Oh, is that Nehru's wisdom? Nope. It's courage. Hmm. Oh, it's courage. dang it. Uh, Furor. Yep. Furor. Furor's wind. <laughs> so, obtained from the great fairy of magic in Zora's fountain, hidden behind a destructible wall behind Lord Jabu Jabu. It can only be cast inside dungeons that have maps as it returns you to the entry point of that dungeon's room from which it was cast. 
When used after, you're given the option to return to that warp point or to dispel it. It costs six magic points. After being cast, you can return to the dungeon it was cast from any location. You can't return to warp points as an adult created when a child and vice versa. So you have to redo it again when you're an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Seven years. I mean, come on. It's not going to be there after seven years. (laughs) Shouldn't have taken that nap. (laughs) So kind of like the same as Din's fire, though Furor's wind doesn't appear in Wind Waker. Its name is inscribed on the base of Furor's statue in Hillian on Eastern Triangle Island. See, I'm I'm loving this. I guarantee you that the next one is too, isn't it? I don't know. We'll find out. Oh. So <coughs> the next one is Wisdom of Law. Well, that's Nehru. <laughs> Nehru's love. <laughs> Obtained from the Great Fairy of Magic in the Desert Colossus. The spell surrounds you in a diamond-shaped barrier, which lasts for one minute. It prevents all damage, but doesn't stop recoil from attacks. It can activate on command, but only deactivates when it wears off. It drains 12 magic power when used. Yeah, this one's a big ask whenever you use it. I mean, I understand, though, because it stops all damage. Yeah. So... Well, here's our fun little fact. Let's see if Aaron's right. Though Nehru's love doesn't appear in the Wind Waker, its name is inscribed on the base of Nehru's statue in Hillian on Southern Triangle Island. Let's go. Yep, so, yeah, you're right. Those are my fun little facts. Now we're getting into some cool stuff. The masks. The other stuff wasn't cool? It was cool, but Mm -hmm. who doesn't love masks? Oh, I love masks. Oh, you know I love masks. Yep, so... Really, just a skull. Oh, is that the uh, skull mask? Yeah. Oh, skull mask. So it can be obtained from the Happy Mask Shop after paying for the Keaton mask. As part of the mask trading sequence, the skull mask is sold to the skull kid in the Lost Woods, who easily sees through your disguise and recognizes you. He says it'll make him look tougher and asks to sell- asks you to sell it to him. You only get ten rupees, and you'll have to eat the other. 10 rupees but after selling it you'll be able to receive the spooky mask the mask will solicit different reactions than normal when talking to people it also prevents Kees and Gwe from attacking while wearing it you need the mask to obtain a Deku stick capacity upgrade in the forest stage in the lost woods so the next one I have is super cute but extremely scary for stall children Oh my gosh! Uh, is it the is the Keaton mask? Nope, the bunny hood. Oh, that was my second guess. So borrowed from the Happy Mask Shop as part of the mask trading sequence, it can be sold to the running man that jogs a set route around Lonlon Ranch. You can sell him the mask for an amount of rupees that will fill up your wallet. And when worn, it prevents stall children from appearing in Hyrule Field at night. This was such a useful mask. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to give it up. (laughs) (laughs) So the next one is really a decapitated Goron head. 
Is it the Goron's mask? Yeah, how'd you guess? <laughs> so, borrowed from the Happy Mask Shop after completing the mask trading sequence, its only function is to change people's reaction when you talk to them. Yeah, that's 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 it. <laughs> Let's see if you can guess this one. Oh boy. Also a decapitated Gerudo head. Is it a Gerudo mask? Yeah, how'd you guess? <laughs> so, borrowed from the Happy Mask Shop and asked to sell. No real purpose other than getting odd reactions and makes people think you're a woman and annoying Gerudo thieves. So here's the funny things that people will say to you while wearing the Gerudo mask. Oh boy. Darunia will say he hates Gerudos. Wow. I know that's kind of harsh. Naburu will say it looks like her, but then retracts her statement. King Zora will say it gives him the chills. Princess Rudo will say, you're a funny guy. <laughs> Talon will say it reminds him of his wife, but we'll take it back. <laughs> and the dancing couple. So the man will apologize because he doesn't want to look at another woman. Huh. I never used it on the dancing couple, to be honest. <laughs> and then... Saria will say it looks cool, but it's also frightening. I mean, we say this, that, that these people are really mean, but we have to think during this time, it was shortly after the Hyrulean Civil War where the Gerudos were slaughtering them. So, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I have for the masks because you're covering the other ones. So. Oh. Now I'm onto tunics. Let's go. Nice green polo. Is it by chance the forest tunic? No, Kokiri tunic. Oh, I was close. <laughs> yeah. So, if you look at the the um, 3DS version of it, they look like polos. They do. They don't look like tunics anymore. They look like polos. They so. do. Uh, set of clothes the Kokiri wear, and also your default clothing. No special abilities other than it can't be stolen by the like likes. And if one swallows you while wearing another tunic, you'll be spat out wearing the Kokiri tunic. I always thought that was weird <laughs> because it's like Link's inside this thing and he's like, oh, I gotta change my shirt real quick. <laughs> so the nice red polo. Mm. The Goron tunic. Mm. So it's a red tunic that can only be worn as an adult. It's made from Dodongo scales and bomb flower fibers. It protects you from extreme heat. You won't burn from fire-based traps and attacks. You can travel on tiles of lava. And you gain special resistance from floor spikes and poison water. It can be stolen by like likes. I never knew the poison water. Hmm? I didn't know the floor spikes. Didn't know the poison water. Yep. And it can be bought in the Goron shop for 200 rupees or be received as a gift from Darunia's son after stopping him from rolling around Goron City. Yes. Now I have the nice blue polo. The Zora tunic. Allows you to breathe underwater. It's mostly used in conjunction with the iron boots and is essential for exploring the water temple. There's no defense bonuses and it can be stolen from like likes. It can be bought for 300 rupees at the Zora shop or given to you by King Zora when you unfreeze him. It's made out of fish gills, though it looks just like the other tunics. 
No gills or scales, just to get different color. I'm kind of glad in Breath of the Wild they took a different approach to the armor sets. Yeah, tunics or mm. polos <laughs> for the remake. Now I have diving scales. Mm. So a gift straight from the rainbow fish. Let's go. The silver scale. <sighs> ah, get it? Rainbow fish from the book. Oh, I get it now. <laughs> so it enhances your diving capabilities to up to six meters instead of three. It's required to enter Jabu Jabu's belly. You can get this from participating in the diving game in Zora's domain. You must collect all of the blue rupees before time runs out. I hated this game so much. <laughs> so next I have comes from a dragon. Not an aquatic animal. And this is my interpretation of it, guys. It doesn't really come from a dragon. Is it the gold scale? It is the golden scale. Enables you to dive even further than the silver scale at nine meters. Mm-hmm. You can get this as an adult by catching a fish that's at least four pounds greater than the record in the fishing in the fishing hole. I did finally get this after getting the iron boots, and they felt completely it felt completely pointless to have this. <laughs> and those are my items. Sorry for taking up so much time, but that was a lot of items. Oh, it was a lot of items. We still got a lot more to go through. But before we go to mid-break, I have one last interesting fact for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. So this interesting fact is that out of all the boxes that were ever produced of the Legend of Zelda Special Edition series, 75 units are proven to have never been filled, hmm. meaning that there is a maximum of 25 units that were actually sold making it the rarest edition for any Zelda game to date. There's only 25 copies of this. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So if you're one of the lucky people who has one, you have a ridiculously expensive game in your collection. <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, I think it is officially time for us to go to a mid-break. Well, Ariel, here we are. In the middle of the show. This is where we thank our patrons. Dang it. She stole it. This is where we thank our patrons. <laughs> so we have to thank our special patrons, such as the golden goddess, Kex, our Hyrule royalty, Paul Butt, our Sheikah patrons, Deadeye0325, and relic to redman and our Kokiri patron, Remington Cloutier. Woohoo, you guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think I'm going to come up with a thank you song and start singing it in the middle. Please don't. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, thank you very much for being patrons. Without you, the show would not be possible. And in addition to those, our show wouldn't be possible without our great listeners. No, no, you keep stealing my lines. This is why I steal yours. Uh, steal away. You do it better. Well, I mean... I wasn't going to say anything. But. <laughs> uh, so, Ariel, we have some more reviews. Are, are you ready for this? Our first review comes to us from Dami Mommy 135 Awesome pod. 
My friend showed me this podcast and I can't stop listening. Thanks for all your work. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Our next review comes to us from ZeldaFan513. I have found my people. Five stars. (laughs) Yes, you have. (laughs) I love this podcast. The hosts are amazing. I've played Twilight Princess, Breath of the Wild, Ocarina of Time, and the 2D games. The series helped me through the pandemic. Can you make an episode about weird slash strange NPCs such as Magna or Loon? A lot of fans, including me, would love it. Also, after you release the Ocarina of Time episodes, can you release the Adult Timeline episodes first? Wind Waker seems like a great topic. So, first question we got to answer. Are we going to do crazy slash kooky NPCs? I love this idea because, <laughs> oh, Loon. Oh. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, so, uh, I guess uh, you heard it here first. Uh, it's going to happen. Uh, the next question is, I'll answer that one. N- unfortunately, we're not going to go after the ti- adult timeline just yet because of specific reasons we'll get into as we go through Majora's Mask and Twilight and everything else. We're going to do the child timeline first solely because there is a specific reason. But the child timeline is not as long and the adult timeline is going to be next up to go through. So there you go. And I I can't I can't agree more. Wind Waker does have a lot of interesting stuff in it. Yeah, it does. (laughs) So our next review comes to us from Dark Link triple three. Well, you got you got Dark Link's attention. Emo Lee. <laughs> Best Zelda podcast. Five stars. This podcast is amazing. I'm an avid LOZ fan and theorist, and this podcast has taught me so much. You guys cover lore and theories that even a longtime theorist like me can learn new things from, while also covering the basics well enough that I will send my friends who know nothing about LOZ to this podcast to get them into the series. I am super excited for when you discuss the Dark Interlopers. I am too, and it's coming soon. Yes. <laughs> so the next one comes to us from Jackson the Zora. I love it. Five stars. This podcast is so, so good because I have no friends or family that love LOZ. It is good to have someone to listen to. P.S. Can you do an episode on animals and LOZ? P.P.S. It would also be great if you did a video on the Golden Goddesses. P.P.P.S. Just kidding. <laughs> There's a lot of P.S.'s in there. That's quite all right. Uh, um, I don't know if we're going to do an episode specifically on animals. I think we'll cover them as we go. I am cool with doing an episode on animals. <laughs> Maybe we can do like the habitats and like things like that where the animals are and things where the wild things are where the wild things are (laughs) um i do know that as we go further on especially with tears of the kingdom coming out i do want to do a golden goddess episode to go further in depth i'm cool with that i think i just want to do a deity episode yeah we definitely should so those are our views for today, which brings us to the next segment. Ariel, hmm? what'd you bring for us today? 
Uh, my charm. Okay, but what else? <laughs> Sarcasm? So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you remember last episode when I said I would try to find a suit to go with the tie? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not having any luck right now. But I did find a nice LOZ button-up shirt. Oh? Yeah. So, this comes from Unifins. And it is the Legend of Zelda Hawaii shirt, LOZ symbols pattern. And I know it says, like, Hawaii shirt, but it is a nice button-up shirt. Little collar. does have, like, Triforce on it, rupees, a Shika eye symbol, different stuff like that on it. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. I do like this shirt. I know. You can wear it with a nice, you know, vest or a nice suit jacket with your tie. We'll work perfect. So the sizes come from extra small all the way up to 4XL. And the price is $39.95. Not too bad. Not no. too bad. And it comes in a, a, you know, pretty good amount of sizes. So anybody can wear it. So yeah, that's what I have. I will keep looking. But this would be a nice shirt to wear. Nice suit jacket and your new LZ tie. Ooh. And tie clip. I'm okay with and this. And cufflinks. Ooh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, I I brought something that you can also wear with your suit. Okay. You know, I, we talked about a pedestal last episode and how you can get this awesome pedestal for your Master Sword to go into. Mm-hmm. But what if I told you from that same creator... You could get a pretty awesome Master Sword. Hmm. And I say it goes with the suit because what is Link without his Master Sword? Link. Okay, that was on me. I said the bar too low. <laughs> uh, so, from Astoria Workshop, once again, you can get a Master Sword replica that seats perfectly into the platform that I talked about last episode. And I will say it is super high detailed. It is super awesome. And if you want this, I would suggest you go get out and get it now because they are very limited stock right now. But you have a couple different options and the price obviously varies per option. You have the limited color changing Master Sword. And that one's pretty cool because when the sun hits it, it, it oh my gosh, it's it's very it's very pretty. Um, that one is for $265. You can get the Breath of the Wild Master Sword for $265. You can get the Weathered and Rusted Breath of the Wild Master Sword for $315. Or if you decided I want to be a rebel and I got the dark platform the black platform with the the evil incarnate coming from it. You can also get the Dark Link Master Sword for $275 to sit in that pretty little. Hmm. Yeah. It's pretty good prices for what this thing looks like and the quality of its craftsmanship. It is stunningly beautiful. 
so we need lots of money because <laughs> we need to get the platform and then the sword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So lots of money. Seems worth it, though. I, I, I'm just curious, though. What sword and platform would you get? Hmm. Well, I I liked the platform with the Silent Princess on it because I love the Silent Princess. It's a really pretty flower. It is a really pretty flower. And I would get the, the dark. Because <laughs> that's just, that's my soul. So, yeah. And pretty. It's very pretty. And it has like red and black Hilton guards. Yeah, and, my yeah. favorite colors. So, <sighs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to go with the traditional Breath of the Wild Master Sword, and the uh, I'll go with the same platform though, the Silent Princess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's what I brought for today's mid break. Ariel, hmm. do you have anything else you'd like to say before we go? I do. Oh, lots of things. Oh, let's go. Should I, am I able to say it on a PG podcast though? No. Okay. So instead, <laughs> I will go right into Ocarina's. So if you head on over to STL Ocarina, use our promo code LOZLORE10, you can save yourself 10% off of their Ocarina's. They're beautiful, stunning, gorgeous. And they have other stuff than LOZ. So if you like to check out their other types of Ocarina's, they have... You know, Star Wars, they've got D&D, they've got Lord of the Rings. they got a bunch of different types of ocarinas. Mm-hmm. Absolutely beautiful. They're gorgeous. Definitely worth the buy. And they're not very expensive either. No, not too bad, I really. Think, I think we got your ocarina for, what, 40 I don't remember. It's been a while. 40 50 bucks. It wasn't bad. And it came with the songbook and everything else. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> And you can save yourself 10% off by using our promo code LOZLORE10. Yes. So why not save some money? Also, dice. Dice, 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 dice. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, on from that horrible thing. <laughs> Head on over to Metallic Dice Games using our link below. And you can save yourself 10% off of your purchase. Mm-hmm. And they have dice, dice trays, dice towers, dice bags, a bunch of different dice stuff and different types of dice. Resin, metal, rubber, wooden, a bunch of different. Oh, and gemstone. Gemstone. Oh, their gemstone dice are so beautiful. I know they're pricey, but keep in mind, they are gemstone. Yeah, they're dice. not. They're, and they're quality. Yes, they are absolutely gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I think I'm up to three pairs now. Yeah, I think you do have three pairs of gemstone dice. I don't have any, guys, so yell. <laughs> yell at Aaron. You have glass. You have glass dice. It's not gemstone. <laughs> Are they? No, it's not. I have none. So, yeah, everyone, go ahead. Simultaneously yell at Aaron. He could also save himself 10% off by buying me some gemstone dice <laughs> from clicking on the link below. So that's all I have for the sponsors and my ramblings for the mid-break. Well, with that being said... I think it's time to get to the end of the episode and start talking some weapons. Woo! Well, here we are at the end of the episode. 
It's awful Indian here. Yeah. I had to say it because I didn't say the middle. Oh, you didn't. No. Had to throw that in there. But before we end the episode, we have to talk about some weapons and some other stuff. Yes. So uh, let's start it off with uh, our first weapon of the game, the Kokiri sword. So there's not a lot on this sword. Honestly, it's it's a sword that you have to get before you can get into the forest. Mido tells you he won't let you visit the forest or the Great Deku Tree until you get a sword and a shield. <laughs> wow. So you have to you get the Kokiri sword by going through this I would say kind of like a tutorial kind of area. You have to you learn all your controls going through this area, crawl through a little hole, dodge, you know, a boulder, which I didn't expect the first time going through here. <laughs> and then when you finally get it, it says that the Kokiri sword is a tr- is considered a treasure of the Kokiri. It doesn't really go in depth in this and we never really get anything else besides this. However, I do want to make some mention of something that is ambiguously canon. In Cadence of Hyrule, the Kokiri sword can be found in the Hyrule Castle, and it's only usable by Link. It it's said that it is intended for a future hero and is meant to defeat anything in Link's path. Hmm. So Yes, so it, this Kokiri sword is older than we we originally anticipated. It's an old boy. It's an old boy. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much all we have on the Kokiri sword, unfortunately. Uh, other than a little interesting fact I got about it is that despite it being the same sword in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, it has gone through drastic changes at the Hilton Guard. In Ocarina of Time, it is more of a like a bronze or brown hilt with a purple gemstone in the center. And in Majora's Mask, it's replaced its guard and hilt with a gold, I call it the Lego block hilt. <laughs> and uh, it has a blue, looks like a gemstone at the bottom of the pommel. And it is white wrapped. So don't know why they went through this change. I don't know if it was supposed to be like Link got it reforged or whatever. It's never explained. It just is what it is. It just is. It just is. <laughs> the So the next weapon on our list is going to be none other than the giant's knife. Ooh. Ooh. So you get the giant's knife by paying. Uh, you, get, you get it as adult Link and you have to pay 200 rupees to Metagoron in Goron City. After you buy it, it's it's <laughs> twice as powerful as the Master Sword, but it is extremely frail and breaks after a very, very minute amount of hits. Once you buy it and it breaks, you can go back and buy another one. And every time you buy a new one, the new one lasts one more hit extra than the previous one. And it can it does this until it reaches a maximum durability of eight hits. And it will still break in three hits against walls, though. (laughs) (laughs) So after getting the giant's knife, it's more of a kind of like a. It's a trade quest kind of deal. 
you can get a better one from a master smith that will never break. And they're referring to Biggeron's sword, which comes from Biggeron. We know. We talked about it last episode. So that's about it. It's just a really big sword, nicely crafted. And yeah, it's about all we got on it. I will say, however, moving forward into the next weapon, Biggeron's sword, we got a little bit more on this guy. Ooh, I love Biggeron's sword. Oh my gosh. So it is a large two-handed weapon, much like the previous version. However, this one is forged by Biggeron himself and is indestructible. It is the final stage of this weapon. Because it's two-handed, though, you cannot use a shield with it, though. So that kind of takes away from it a little bit, I think. But it does do twice as much damage as the Master Sword. And additionally, Dark Link, when you have to fight him, can't jump onto this sword like he can the Master Sword. Yes. So it does come in handy, too, when, you know, you're fighting Ganon and you temporarily lose usage of the Master Sword. It does come in extremely handy there because... The Megaton Hanner can be used in the same battle, but bigger on swords, faster and easier to use. So that is it for this game, but it will be brought up again in not only Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages, but it'll also be brought back up in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I was about to comment about that. I wish the indestructibility would have passed over into that into Breath of the Wild uh, it still break I know that's kind of a buzzkill when they uh, announced that it was still gonna break <laughs> I know I I think the reason I love bigger on swords so much is because I have such a fondness for Gorons Gorons so, are awesome yeah I love Gorons and so I love bigger on sword and it always breaks so the next weapon on our list is of course the master sword at this point I'm not going to go super in depth with the master sword because at this point we've had enough of changes in the master sword that I feel like the master sword needs its own special patron episode yeah so basically all you need to know about the Master Sword is up at this, up until this point, it has gone through, I believe, three changes. I'll have to do a little bit more research into that, but I believe it's gone through three changes. And at this point, it is essentially our key between teleporting from past and future. Yeah, I mean, you got to shove it in the pedestals. So. Yep, yep. So, and not only that, but it is also the sword that repels evil and, you know, We've, we've, uh, it's the sword. We've, we've, we've hammered this one home. It is the sword. <laughs> I thought it was a sword, not a hammer. Oh, but speaking of hammers, you know what is a hammer? A hammer? A hammer. A hammer's a hammer. Not unlike the megaton hammer, which is next on the list. Does it weigh a megaton? It feels like it weighs a megaton. Right. <laughs> so the megaton hammer is. Originally found when you go to Death Mountain and is utilized heavily in the fight against Volvagia, 
and you're playing whack-a-mole, essentially. <laughs> I love whack-a-mole. <laughs> so it is also really good to use when fighting Ganon in the final battle when you attack his tail. However, the the weapon itself is a lot more than what it originally lets on to be. According to Goron Legends, a hero of legendary proportions of the Gorons and a direct ancestor of Darunia used the Megaton Hanner against the first battle with Vivagia. Now, once he was victorious, he sealed the dragon in the fires of Death Mountain. This is important because he defeated Vivagia and sealed them away. It didn't say killed or destroyed or any of those things, which is why Volvagia is able to come back. And that leads us to a special dragon episode we may be doing in the near future. But the Megaton Hammer, when you get it, is used for that same purpose, like we've discussed earlier, of defeating Volvagia. After that, it becomes a really helpful tool when needing to smash boxes or knock sculptulas off the walls or anything of that nature because it gives a when you utilize it it gives a massive like earthquake kind of feature in the direct area of impact Hmm. so that is our hammer so that brings us to the next weapon on the list which is the fairy bow the fairy bow the fairy bow so there's not a lot on this bow it's a bow I mean it's a bow but it's the fairy bow not just a bow. Uh, so you get this from the Forest Temple after Link defeats three Stalfos. You get it as an adult. And it's utilized in multiple ways during the game. It's utilized to hit switches, defeat enemies. Uh, you use it in the fight against Ganon, against the Post Sisters. What's really cool is this is the first time we utilize it in horseback archery. Because in Ocarina of Time, this this bow is utilized to introduce that concept to the entire series. While riding upon it, you can hunt down Poe's in the field. You participate in horseback archery range shooting near the Gerudo Forest. I mean, you, it's just a fun weapon in this game. In addition to useful, it's fun. <laughs> so this is not the last time we're going to see of the fairy bow either. And it goes through some very, shall we say, cosmetic changes as it goes through and even a title change as we go through because it's already gone through a title change because as we know, it wasn't originally called the Fairy Bow. But uh, we'll get into that when we get to the bow in more in depth. The next thing we have is we have the long shot So I'm going to cover hookshot, longshot in one go. So the hookshot is originally obtained, like we discussed last episode, when you go and do all the dealings with um, I like my baby Ruth's. Dumb (laughs) You beat him in a race, you get the hookshot. It isn't until we get to the water temple, however, that we get the upgraded version, which is the longshot. And what this does essentially is extend the chain to an obscene length. And you utilize it 
to get to places you couldn't get to earlier and longer distance traveled. And it's only after defeating Dark Link you get it. So you can also use this to pull in certain enemies like the Morpha's eyes and, you know, the the keys and things like that. You can pull these enemies in and fight them that way. Much like the previous hookshots were used to stun enemies and things like that. But the whole kind of thing with this is that essentially the long shot is just a helpful tool, but can be utilized as a weapon. That is it for the weapons that I want to talk about. There are some other weapons, such as the boomerang and the fairy slingshot, but again, there's not a whole lot you can go into with those, and again, they're just basic weapons. Boomerang's a boomerang. You can throw it. You can get items brought back to you. You can, you know, it's a boomerang. <laughs> Is that how they work? That's how they work. Slingshot's a slingshot. You know. But that does finish our weapons, but it does bring us to some masks. Ooh. So first we have the Keaton mask. And it's important that you remember most of these masks because they will be brought back up when we go into Majora's mask. The Keaton mask, however, in Ocarina of Time is the first mask you obtain in the mask trading sequence. You have to give it to the gatekeeper soldier at Kekariku village because his son is begging for this mask because the, the Keaton mask is a really popular renowned character throughout Hyrule and it brings back lots of nostalgia for adults when you wear this mask so yeah because you know a kid wants it you have to go get it mm, yeah essentially I want this mask <laughs> and I want it now <sighs> so uh, a couple trivia points on this though is that in version 1.0 of Ocarina of Time, the Keaton mask was erroneously named the Keaton mask on the item screen. And in the Wind Waker, the Keaton mask appears alongside the Bunny Hood, the Goron mask, and the All Night mask behind the counter of the Nintendo gallery, where it can be seen hanging on the wall next to Karlov. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And... The funny thing is the German translation, it's just called Link's Mask. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is why I always go to look at the different translations and stuff of the different languages. I just thought it was weird. I was like, really? Just it's just called Link's Mask. It's it's just Link's Mask. Pay no attention. It's just Link's Mask. I like it. So the next mask I have is the spooky mask. Yes. This is the third mask sold after completing the Keaton and the skull mask. And then it is sold to Dompe's admiring fan. The little kid that runs around the graveyard. No. He wants the mask because he, when you originally go and talk to this kid with a mask on, he completely mistakes you for Dompe and goes, oh, you're not Dompe, but there's a really cool mask. I want it. And I always thought that that was terrible because he's basically calling Dompe spooky and a monster. Why do you think? Okay, never mind. I'm not going to be mean. I was going to say, why do you think I said his favorite candy is a baby root? Don't be mean. Okay, so after realizing it was just a mask, he pays 30 rupees, which is the exact same that you pay to get the mask out. But this mask has some kind of weird effects. 
while wearing this mask, you can receive a whole new bunch of messages from people, which is mostly pretty much scaring them. It also has the unique side effect of glowing in the dark at night. And if you go and talk to the scientist at the Lakeside Laboratory while wearing the mask, he will tell Link that it was carved from wood taken from a coffin. And if you wear it while talking to Dompe, Dompe will ask Link if he knows what kind of mask it is and why he's still wearing it if he does, implying that this is some sort of cursed, dangerous mask. I mean, if it glows in the dark, nobody explains it. Yeah, that's got to be something wrong with it. I feel like personally that the mask has some sort of like supernatural capabilities because it's being carved from a used coffin. Yeah. <laughs> Could it be by chance possessed? So that brings us to the next creepy mask in the list. The Mask of Truth. Hmm. hmm. Truth is kind of creepy. Uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so this mask is... You can get this mask after completing the entire mask trading sequence... And it is specifically for Link and it allows you to speak to Gossip Stones and learn new things about Hyrule and everything in between. When you receive the mask, the Happy Mask Shop owner mentions that the mask was passed down by the Sheikah, which means we once again have another Sheikah relic. If you wear it in the Lost Woods, you will receive a Deku Nut upgrade like you mentioned earlier. However... This mask doesn't just allow you to speak to only Gossip Stones. It also has other abilities that we will go into when we get to Majora's Mask. Because it's awesome. Just know now, keep it in the back of your mind, that the Mask of Truth holds a lot of secrets. Hmm... <laughs> the last mask that I have is none other than the Zora mask. You can borrow it after completing the mask trading sequence, and it has no other function other than to change people's reactions when they talk to you. And if you show it to Princess Rudo, she will express her happiness that Link has become a Zora. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> now we can be married. I love, though, that the fact of... I always thought about this, too, whenever I played the Ocarina of Time and got these masks, the Goron mask, the Zora mask. I couldn't help but wonder if these masks in this trading sequence weren't a huge part of the development of Majora's Mask. And as I got older and did more research, I found it was... How odd. Hmm. <laughs> so that's it. That's all we have for the Zora mask. There's more things we're going to get into when it comes to the Zora mask, but they're not canon. So I don't want to confuse people and, you know, have issues, but we'll get to the non-canon information with the masks and things later. But that's going to bring us into the last couple things that I want to talk about, which first off is the mirror shield. <clears throat> so the mirror shield in Ocarina of Time is the final shield that you can get as Link and you get it 
from the spirit temple and you can only get it after defeating the iron knuckle it acts just like the helion shield except it has a polished mirror side that allows it to reflect light and later on magical spells it is desperately important to have this item when you fight twin rova because of the whole reflecting magic spells back thing reflects light magic spells and all those things back interesting things with this is that one of them is the mirror shield resembles the real world star and crescent symbol of a particular you know religious practice that we won't go too much into but in the remakes it re it has the crest of the gerudo and that is because nintendo's policy of avoiding real world religious imagery and a lot of you may turn around and say well what about the original zelda games where there were crosses and things yes that actually played a huge part in nintendo's decision to not try to incorporate actual religions into their video games because it actually had a lot of issues. It brought forth a lot of issues. That's for a very special episode. We'll get into why the policy changes and stuff another day. Just know that Nintendo was pretty lax back in the day and then pushed themselves forward. And it was during the 3D phase that they pushed themselves forward with their policies. And the star and crescent symbol was a legitimate, honest mistake. I mean, I can understand why they'd want to stay away from religion. I mean, it's your, it's your own world, your own universe, mm-hmm. your own Ike, so, you know. And I get the whole inclusive, you know, want to be inclusive in things, but it's a very fine line when you start referencing people's religious cultures and backgrounds and things. It's a very fine line, and it's, it's just easier if you just create your own anew honestly. Mm-hmm. But on to bigger and brighter things. I have some interesting facts about the mirror shield. The mirror shield may be a direct reference to the mirror shield of Kid Icarus series. Pitt uses a mirror shield to defeat Medusa's eye beams and the first mirror shield used in Legend of Zelda series is used in the similar way to defeat eye lasers. And the mirror shield in both series is likely a reference to the Greek myth of Perseus. Huh. That's pretty cool. (laughs) So the mirror shield also appears in the frog for whom the bell tolls. That was hard. (laughs) And Link's Awakening borrows much from this game. We won't go into what it borrows. We'll wait till we get to Link's Awakening. Just know that the mirror shield is not the only thing that was taken from the frog for whom the bell tolls. So the next one I have is in the collector's edition version of Majora's Mask, the mirror shield causes a slight graphic error. When reflecting light, a green and black stripe slowly slides across the light ray every second or so. It is most likely due to a error in the emulation code. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Another one is in the Japanese Nintendo 64 release of Majora's Mask, they have a completely different mirror shield in the game's programming. 
as an unused item. It has a finish section icon and appears identical to what would later be revised the revised mirror shield of Ocarina of Time, predating the GameCube edition. However, the use of the item will crash the game. So that's what I was talking about earlier with Honest Mistake from Nintendo. They caught it in production phases, but they couldn't fix it before release, and that is due to time constraints and money. That's kind of cool, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, like I said, genuine mistake. They honestly tried to fix it, but in the end, it was either, you know, do we waste thousands of more dollars going back and trying to reprogram this item and fix it in the coding, or do we just release it and kind of take the backlash and apologize? What's the cheaper approach? <laughs> so, since we've already talked about the Minish Cap, I'm going to go ahead and drop this one, too. In the Minish Cap, there is unused text that implies that the mirror shield, along with the magic boomerang and the unused fire rod, was sold originally for 350 rupees instead. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's all I have on the mirror shield for now, because we're going to come back. The mirror shield is a very prevalent item in the series. And that's going to bring us to some boots. And they're made for walking? They're made for a lot of things in this game. <laughs> so the first set of boots I'm not going to go super in-depth into is the Kokiri boots. It's just your basic everyday boots. They're just your basic boots. They were made for walking. They were made for walking. The next set, however, is one of my personal favorite sets, is the iron boots that can be found in the ice cavern near Zora's Fountain in Ocarina of Time. When you equip them, they make Link walk slow due to all the excess weight, but you can descend to the bottom of lakes and sources of water, which you utilize this to get to dun dun dun, the water temple. Yes, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to use this in conjunction with the Zora tunic in order to stay underwater, or a timer will appear if you don't take the boots off and you run out of time. You will die. You'll drown. Yup. <laughs> so, not going to go super in-depth with where else we see these iron boots because we will see them again in the series. But... There is some fun facts. So a pair of boots called the water boots were set to appear in Wind Waker. They were possibly an earlier version of the iron boots or a separate version, which allowed Link to sink underwater. So originally these may have been called water boots. I like that they changed them to the iron boots though. Yeah, I kind of like iron boots better than water boots. Mm-hmm. And the next one I have is in Hyrule Warriors, the design of Linkles, winged boots and rock boots are based off of the iron boots from Ocarina of Time and Twilight Princess, respectively. Linkle. Linkle. Do you want to take a guess at what these boots are called in French? You know what? You go right ahead. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so first, I'm going to start with Japanese. The, I can't, I'm going to try to pronounce this. I believe it's pronounced Hebi Butsu. And that translates to Heavy Boots. 
Hmm. And in French, uh, I'm going to try to pronounce this one too. Botes de plomp. I hope I said that right. <laughs> I can't speak French, so. Uh, this translates to lead boots. Lead boots. Yes. So it basically in America, it's pretty much the only place we call them the iron boots. They're heavy or lead everywhere else. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. So the next thing uh, I want to talk about is my actual favorite boots in the entire series, which are the hover boots or the Pegasus boots. So these boots are found within the Shadow Temple and you find them using the lens of truth to find a fake room entrance hiding behind a fake wall. You go through all this and then you defeat the dead hand and then you get the boots. These boots are specifically used to allow Link to hover across gaps and over water very momentarily. When you have them equipped, they give you no traction, which is why they're my favorite. Because Link slides when walking or running, you can be propelled by gusts of wind across, you know, over large gaps and when there's high wind. They also prevent you from sinking in sand in the haunted wastelands and the desert colossus. Yeah. <laughs> they also prevent the platforms in the fire barrier section of Ganon's castle from sinking because they basically make you weightless. And the reason they're my favorite boots is because when you're running across Hyrule fields, you get just a hair bit more of a speed boost by wearing them. And I hated going across Hyrule fields. Why? Because it took so much time and I'm a very impatient person. <laughs> that you are. <laughs> so, here we go again. Do you want to take a crack at what you think they might be called in French? No. All right. Well, we have Botes des Airs. Air boots? Air boots. <laughs> The French were like, you know what? Don't need to call it anything fancy. They're air boots. Air boots. Air boots. So uh, these do share a similar design as the Pegasus boots from previous games. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're in this game. They're con called the hover boots. So that's pretty much all I have on it. Other than, do you know what they're actually referred to as in the lore of Hy Hyrule history? Could not tell you. Sacred feet. Sacred feet. Mm-hmm. Which is also why we find them in the Shadow Temple. Huh. They're considered a sacred relic in addition to several other things that we acquired during this game. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There's really not more to go into on that, but it's something that I'm going to dedicate a deep dive to one of these days as to why these are considered the sacred feet. That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, with all that being said, 
I think that's all the items I had. Um, you could go into different ones like the Goron Bracelet, the Silver Gauntlets, the Golden Gauntlets. There's no point. They're pretty much there to increase your strength and make it so you can push and pull and lift different things. That's about all they're there for. They're aesthetically pleasing. They're aesthetically, they are very aesthetically pleasing. (laughs) So, yeah, with all that being said, I think that brings us to the end of the episode, Ariel. And my Easter eggs. Let's go. I'm so ready for these. Well, these ones don't have really interpretations, so sorry about you. <laughs> so the first one I have is Mario Wallpaper in Hyrule Castle. Yes. So as young Link, when you go to Hyrule Castle and first meet Zelda, if you look through the right window, you'll see a room with Mario-themed wallpaper inside, complete with green warp pipes. The original Nintendo 64 release had portraits of Mario, Yoshi, Bowser, and Luigi in the same area. Mm-hmm. This is my first little Easter egg. All right, Skyward Sword wallpapers. What? In the 3DS version, in one of the rooms of the Gerudo Fortress, if you break a crate, you will find a poster of Link swinging the Skyward Sword. Also, on the second floor of the house at Lon Lon Ranch, there's a picture of Link from Skyward Sword. You have to break a pot in front of it to see it. It's in a frame on the floor. The final poster is in the Bomchu shop. When talking to the shop owner, look to the far left. Skyward Sword Link will be pictured. Hmm. I never knew that. Yas. Yas. <laughs> so, Malin's necklace. Malin wears a scarf with a clasp that looks like Bowser. Huh. Mm-hmm. Talon and Ingo. These two's designs, Talon in blue and red and Ingo in green shirt, are based off of Mario and Luigi. You see, I did notice that. (laughs) Dying Guard. Ooh. When you receive the Ocarina of Time from Zelda, go to the alley next to the Bombchu shop before you go to the Temple of Light. A guard will be lying on the ground. If you talk to him, he will tell you where to go, and then he'll die. <laughs> Once you leave the alley, the body will be gone. You can only trigger the scene before you go to the Temple of Time. I've only seen this scene once, and it was it was sad. I know. <laughs> Place a bomb by a gossip stone. The ones that tell time if you hit it, and it should blast off like a rocket. I've done this and it's fun. <laughs> scarecrow song. There's a small garden near the lakeside laboratory where a scarecrow stands. If you pull out your ocarina, it will ask you to play something. If you play a song as a kid and return as an adult and play the same song, he will remember it. At the end of the game, if you wait long enough after the credits, you'll hear the song you played for the scarecrow done first by the ocarina then by other instruments. And it will play every few minutes. See, I didn't know about this one until you told me off air and I went and did it. And it was the coolest thing I ever experienced. Yeah, it is pretty cool. 
So next one I have is fight Star Fox's Arwing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so players who still have their game sharks can type in a code and make Star Fox invade Ocarina of Time in his Arwing. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. And Volvagia follows the same pattern as enemy fighters in Star Fox 64. The R-Wing was included in the game as a tool for the developers so they could mimic the behavior. While it was taken out, input a code and you can play around with the R-Wing. <laughs> yes. If you go into Dodongo's cavern and go up to the second floor, you'll find a sign carved out of stone. This sign is also seen in Super Mario 64 at the courtyard of Princess Peach's castle. I didn't know that, but I never played 64, Super Mario 64 either. I did. I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved. So if you catch 20 gold sculptulas and talk to one of the free children from the curse, you get the Stone of Agony, which looks a lot like the Rumble Pack. Huh, weird. It makes sense since with this item, the rumble pack will vibrate when you're near a secret grotto. <laughs> when you go see Zelda for the first time and you're spotted by the guards while in the castle grounds, they will toss you out in front of the gate. If you talk to the gate guard after being thrown out, you can bribe the garb guard with 10 rupees to open the gate. If you talk to the guard again after paying the bribe, the guard will say, keep it a secret from everyone. This is a reference to the original The Legend of Zelda game, where you come across a moblin who says the strange phrase, keep it a secret from everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cool little nod there. I love that one. In the Lakeside Laboratory, there's a deep pool where you can jump into and dive for rupees. On the bottom of the pool, you can see a still image of a giant shark pressing its face against the left set of iron bars. This reference to Jaws is debatable, but it's still pretty cool. It was terrifying. <laughs> In the opening theme that shows Link riding around on Epona, you hear a piano playing a gentle tune which is then joined by a recorder playing the tune from the warp recorder from the original The Legend of Zelda. Huh. Yes. Young Link's treehouse has a drawing on the trunk of it near the ground. While most people think the figures are of Link fighting, fighting Ganondorf, it also resembles Mario fighting Bowser. Yeah, see, wasn't there like a dinosaur or something carved on there too? I don't remember. I have to go back and look at that, yeah. So, the music in the fairy fountain and the main menu and Zelda's lullaby have been present in previous games, starting with A Link to the Past and carry over to games after Ocarina of Time. Yes! I can't wait to talk about those in our music episode because they reuse those a lot. A yes. lot. So those are the Easter eggs I have for now. I know there's a million more, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. But those are the ones I found when I was diving into Easter eggs, and I dove pretty deep. So, <laughs> yeah. those, those are definitely some of the coolest ones. Yep. So with all that being said, I think it's officially time to end this episode. But before we go, 
I want to let everyone know that the next game we're going to start covering is none other than my personal favorite, Majora's Mask. I should hope by now they know that. We've said it like a lot of times. But I'm super excited. (laughs) Well, on that note, thank you all for listening and tune in next time. Bye. Thank you all for listening to the Legend of Zelda Lorecast tonight. We hope you enjoyed yourselves. If you did, tell a friend, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can chat with us all things Legend of Zelda on the Robots Radio Discord. Or you can get hold of us on our Twitter at LOZLorecast. Intro and outro are done by Bentonal Landscape. Links are in the show notes below. Till next time, dear listener, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this.